Amen. All right. Well, I'm not speaking today. And so first service kind of cheered a little bit at that. So thank you for having a little bit more sympathy uh, in the second service. But um, Cole's going to be sharing the word today. Next Sunday, uh, Pastor Rob's going to be sharing the word. We're continuing on in our series through John, so we're not missing a beat. But uh, we're going to just be changing up and having a couple different voices here. So Cole, come on up and take uh, us into John chapter 12, verse 20. If you need a Bible, would you just hold up your hand and we're going to have our ushers come and bring you a Bible where you're at so you can follow along with us. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, good morning. Hi. Sweet. Okay. Just getting set up. Yeah, so if you need a Bible, just pass them around right now. Just remember to keep that hand up. It's okay to ask for a Bible. You want to you wanna follow along for this section of uh, this passage of scripture. So anyone else need a Bible? We're good? Right on. So yeah, we're in John chapter 12 if you wanted to turn there. And man, it's good to see you all. It's been a while since I actually taught on a Sunday last year, last summer I did. But I never know what, what to expect for like how many people are going to be here on like a one of the one of these summer Sundays because people are out and about. They they take the summer sometimes to go traveling and visit family and whatever. So sometimes we have like a lot of empty chairs. But there's a lot of faces in here. So that's great. That's great. But just remember, even if you do, if you're not here Sunday, don't skip church. We can't skip church. So last week, I wasn't here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, we, had a, we had a youth hike, which was really fun. We took um, uh, a group from our youth. Uh, there was five adults and, and eight students. And we went to Garibaldi Provincial Park for two nights of just hiking and camping and backpacking through the park, which was amazing. It was a great time. It was beautiful. Uh, we had great weather for that. Yeah, it was like 30K, the ground that we covered, with a lot of elevation difference and changes. So it was, it was just awesome. And we had a, we had a few, few students who've like never hiked before let alone like backpacked for a whole weekend, but we all made it through. So it was just a great time. It was, it was awesome. And yeah, as you could probably tell, I really like to hike. I love it. It's one of my, my favorite hobbies. And I got into hiking back when I was in high school and Brandon, my youth leader at the time, actually started to take us on some easier hikes in the area. And uh, that's how I got interested in it and started to, to do it myself more often and go exploring with friends on different trails. And, and yeah, I just got really into it. But in my, my, my growing interest of, of hiking, like I've encountered some friends and people in life that just don't get the hobby whatsoever. They do not understand it. Um, they, they abhor it, which is to say hate it. You know. And I've, I've heard things like them say to me, why would you put yourself through that? That doesn't sound enjoyable to me at all. Hiking is just walking through a bunch of trees on a dirt trail, no cell service, and you get super sore the next few days, right? Like, and whatever else they would tell me, um, it's kind of obvious that they don't get the purpose behind why people like me enjoy it, right? They don't get the purpose behind why hiking can be fun and enjoyable and the, the positives to it. Um, but that's kind, of, that's kind of what I wanted to focus on in, the, in our message today is, is this concept of, of purpose. So this is the title, True Purpose. Um, 
And the reason why that is is because there's purpose behind everything, right? There is a purpose behind behind anything that happens. It's it's why it's the why we do what we do. And every day we have a purpose for doing the things that keep us busy, that occupy our time, whether we specifically contemplate what that purpose is or not, it still exists, right? Um, and it's the same with Jesus, as we're going to look at in our passage today. Um, we're going to focus on the purpose of Jesus and the true purpose of his, his life. So if you're taking notes, I'm trying to, to give you the organized outline here. Um, this, is, this is what we're going to be looking at in our section. We're going to look at the purpose of Jesus' life. And then we're going to look at the purpose of Jesus' death. And then we're going to look at, ooh, it's about us too, our purpose as Jesus' followers. So let's start with that first point, the purpose of Jesus' life. If we were to discuss why Jesus came into the world as he did and lived the life that he did, in, if we were to discuss it in an exhaustive sort of way, we could be here for hours, right? Because there's so many different angles and, and things you can bring up and just talk about it in all these different ways. So we're not going to spend, we don't, I don't have that much time, but I'm going to look at one specific thing that I see in this text that kind of brings up a broad um, purpose for his life. Um, and that is that Jesus came into this world to show humanity a better way to live. He didn't just come to tell us about a better way to live. He came to show us, and that's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus did come to teach. He came to teach uh, people. Uh, and we see so much of his amazing things that he said and taught in the Gospels and the Bible here. And what, something we're going to look at today definitely brings that up. Uh, he came to teach. In fact, he was often called rabbi, which literally means teacher. And that title is put on display here. So let's get into it. Um, we're going to start... John chapter 12, starting verse 20, picking it off where we left off last week. So, would you read with me? It says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So, right now we're in Jerusalem. And if you were here last week... We, um, we went through the passage of scripture where it's often called the triumphal entry. And the reason why it's called that is that's when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. It's that famous picture of him riding on a donkey and his disciples are following him in. And there's crowds of people that are just welcoming him in. They're like, this is Jesus. He's here. He's coming into the city of Jerusalem. And they're praising him. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Um, yeah. And, so that's, that's, what, that's what that is, the triumphal entry. And they're, they're coming into the city. People from all over, not just Jesus, are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, one of the biggest, most important feasts of the Jewish calendar. So they're coming from all over, and that's including these people from, from the, the Greece area, the Greeks that, that came to worship at the feast. And they heard about this Jesus. They've been hearing about this guy. To them, Jesus is this, um, this celebrity prophet that they've heard so much about. So many stories. They've heard that he has uh, healed the sick. He has fed the poor. He's even raised the dead based on what they've heard. 
Why wouldn't you want to see somebody like that? They're like, hey, that guy Jesus is literally here. He's in the town that we're in right now. He's like right down the road. We can go see him if we wanted to. We can see him with our own eyes. We can see him in the flesh. So they did. They had an interest in seeing this Jesus guy. And that interest led them to take action. They actually went. They went out. They, they bumped into Philip, who's one of Jesus' disciples. And they're like, hey, you're one of Jesus' disciples. We, we wish to see Jesus. Can you, can you get us in? Can you get us like backstage, take us to see Jesus, you know? And, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I guess. So they do. But I think it's important. I, I, I love that, that, that's, that request. And I think it's important just to sit on and, and, and contemplate for a moment. Just that, that declaration We wish to see Jesus. How simple that is, but so profound, right? When was the last time we have honestly said something like that? That just to purely declare, I wish to see Jesus. Give me Jesus. To have that that desire to go to him, you know? When's the last time we ever felt something like that or or, or wanted to just be close to him, be with him, be, be intimate with him. Because the amazing thing is, as we see next, we see that Jesus is available. He doesn't just let them see him. He teaches them. He lets them in. He lets them sit down, stay for a while. He doesn't just want them to, to see him and leave it at that. He wants to teach them and give them something that they can walk away with. So that's what we're going to read next. In verse 23 it says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am... There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So the way that Jesus responds to these these Greeks' requests to see him shows us the purpose why he lived the way that he lived. Jesus wasn't just interested in, in worldly fame. He wasn't about that. He wasn't interested in being a celebrity or being well-known even. He wasn't even interested in having these crowds and multitudes of people come to him. His priority and the thing that he was interested in most is making disciples. It's great that people had the desire to come see him, but he wanted to push them beyond that. He wanted to get them to start following him because he knows that's so much greater. There's so much um, benefit from following after Jesus that we're going to talk about. That was his priority and purpose. And that's what all of his teaching revolves around, is this concept of, of, of come after me, follow after me. Um, apply these things that I'm telling you to your lives, you know. Um, live the way I'm living. You know, he's, he's an example for us. Jesus desired that these people who wanted to see him so badly would instead become people that would want to follow him willingly. He wanted to change that. And that's what we see that's what we see here in verse 20. We see their request to see Jesus. And then in verse 26, we see him respond, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. So we see based on these two, the relation between these two verses, that he wanted to turn their seeing into following right here in the passage. That's what, that's what his focus is on. That's why 
he chose to speak the way he did and respond the way he did um, and to teach them these things that we read here. Jesus came to reveal a better way of living, a way of living that can only be achieved through him. Seeing and encountering Jesus is one thing, but to actually make the decision to follow him with our lives is another thing, and that, that's a greater thing, it turns out to be. And he explains this by the parable he gives us in verse 24. So let's look at that. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So what an interesting picture that is that, that we see. He brings up this, this, this concept that when you plant a seed, a grain of wheat, um, into the ground, it first has to die in order to give birth to life. You know? And that's how, that's how this, these things grow. That's something that these people who are hearing this would be familiar with, um, just farming being so relevant and, and big in agriculture at the time is just, is just huge. They would be familiar with how this, this works, right? But what Jesus is explaining is the death that Jesus was appearing to die would ultimately bring life to the believer. That's why he was going to die, right? But in order for the believer to receive that life, what do they have to do? They first must die to themselves. They must put to death their flesh, which means to no longer live for themselves, no longer live in sin, but live for Christ. And that means to sincerely declare for yourself, I'm no longer going to live for myself because I'm committing to a sold-out life, live for Christ, right? That's what should happen in, in all, of our, all of our lives. That should, that should be true to each of us, that if we claim to be followers of Jesus, that's the attitude we got to have, is I'm going to follow after Jesus. That means I'm not going to live for myself anymore because I'm living for Jesus. Thank you. So, yeah, and that's how we're made alive. When we do that, that's how we are truly made alive. It's just like a seed dies in order to give birth to life in nature, so we die in order to live in Christ. Simple as that. And it doesn't get much clearer than, uh, it's worth bringing up, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And Paul just writes this out, lays it down, and it's so true, this whole concept. He says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's pretty clear, right? Paul's saying that because I've been crucified with Christ, which means Christ has died for my sins. He's died in my place on the cross. Um, and by believing in him, by putting my faith in that action, I am crucifying myself with Christ. It's no longer I who live, which means I'm no longer living for myself but Christ who lives in me, because that's who I'm living for. I'm living for Christ. He just lays it up, and it's, it's, it's so clear, right? So once this happens in a person's life, they must make a choice on what they will now live for. And in verses 25 and 26, Jesus kind of talks about the importance of following after him after we make this decision. So just to read it again, it says, verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. So Jesus talks about the importance of following after him and asks the question, 
What kind of focus do you have in life, in your life? How are you living your life? Uh, what are you living your life for? And he brings up this kind of, in verse 25, this, this kind of um, hyperbolic way, way of talking, um, which is just an exaggeration where he's saying, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life will find it. So if you love your life, what does that mean? It means that you love the things that life has to offer, like specifically the world has to offer, the things of the flesh, the things that are not glorifying to God, the things that will ultimately perish with the world. If you're living for those things and you're building your life upon those things, you're going to lose it because those things aren't lasting. But if you hate your life, which is to say not oh, I hate my life, I'm miserable all the time. Not about that. If you're alive in Christ, you should love living your life in Christ, right? So, but if you hate your life in this world, you'll keep it for eternal life. Which means saying that you understand that this world is not your home. You know, you're not living for this world, but you're living, you're not living for the now, but you're living for the eternal. You're living for the things that are good and, and, and honoring and glorifying to God and the, the, the important things, the things that are lasting. If you have that kind of focus, you'll make it. You'll make it and you'll bring glory to God. And that's what he desires for all of us. So how can you tell if you love your life? If we're still held up on that, he who loves his life will lose it. How can you tell if you love your life? It's pretty simple. If you serve yourself, which is to say if you live for yourself. Because if you're serving yourself, you're living for yourself. But Jesus is calling you to something greater. He's calling you to live for something better. By following Jesus, and we must follow his example of self-sacrifice, and that's that's the greater thing. That's what he um, lived out to demonstrate for us. That's, how, that's why he came into the world to live, to show us this better way of living. It's the way of living life of self-sacrifice. He's the template for that for each of us on how, on how we can live and, and follow his example. And if you need an example of just how Jesus showed this, we don't need to look far. Just turn in the next chapter, turn with me, into John chapter 13. Um, we have, like, in my opinion, the ultimate example Jesus gave of sacrificial love. Of uh, other than the cross, this is the this is this example, this this picture that he gave us to show us what it looks like to be a servant and to serve others. And it's the it's the it's the passage of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So just just imagine his disciples. Jesus is. He knows that his time is coming. He knows that he doesn't have much time left before he has to go up to the cross. He is aware of, 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 of where he stands and, 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 and what's going to happen. And he's aware of his, of his destiny, of his death, which is, which is approaching in just a few days. And he's like, I've got to teach this concept. I've got to show this concept to my disciples. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that by, by taking the form of the lowest servant the servant that washes their disgusting, gross, mucky feet. That's what I'm going to do to show my love for them. And he does that. They're all sitting around the table, and he just takes the, takes the cloth, he takes the, the, the water, and he starts going around, washing their feet, wiping them down, and, and 
showing that, 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 that act of service, that act of love to each of his disciples. It's getting intimate there, rubbing their feet. Um, but I'm not going to read the whole passage. That's basically what happens. And he had some interaction with like Peter and, and stuff, which is worth looking into if, you, if, you, if you're not too familiar or you would like to just review that again. But I wanted to draw the attention to verse 14 of chapter 13. Uh, verse 14, this is when Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So right there, we see that we are called to follow Christ's example for us. This example of being a servant, of taking that role and that action of of. of of being lowly, of being humble and serving others. Because in doing so, we're showing the love of Christ and we're walking in the love of Christ to others. And do you know who benefits from all that? You benefit, they benefit, God gets the glory. It works out. That's why it's the better way to live and that's why Christ calls us all to do it, is to live this life of service, of of being a servant for him. So yeah, that's the reason. That's the reason why Jesus came. That's the reason why Jesus, um, that's the purpose of Jesus' life. Now, we're going to look at the purpose of Jesus' death. So, picking it up in verse 27, of back, back in chapter 12. Uh, verse 27 says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death. He would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So we know that as Jesus is saying these things, that in just a few short days, he's going to be arrested and beaten and put to death on the cross. And looking back at verse 23, it's worth mentioning just how aware Jesus was of these circumstances. In verse 23, we see that Jesus, there's a change in the way Jesus talks about his death. Um, Before in the book of John, these are some references that John brings up from from these verses. Um, And this is how Jesus talked about his death. He says, my hour has not yet come. My my time has not yet come. And he says this. He's he's aware that he still has time and and he has opportunity to spread the word and and to tell his disciples that like, hey, you don't have to be worried about my death because my hour is not here yet. I, 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 he's aware of the timing. But now, in verse 23, he changes that because he's aware. He's like, I have no more than a week 
to go. I go. Like, my time is drawing near. And that's what he says in verse 23, the hour has come. And then these are some other verses where he's just, he's just showing that, that he, he understands um, the, the timing of it all. See, Jesus was focused on the cross at this point, right here. He's, he's focused on it. Um, we see that Jesus faced turmoil at the thought of his inevitable and quickly approaching fate. He was brought to agony even before he famously prayed in, um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Um, the night before, the night of his arrest, before he prayed that. Um, yeah, but we see even now, no more than a week before this point, he was still contemplating these things and focused on these things. And I think it's interesting, just because we, see, we realize that Jesus, being the all-knowing Son of God that he is, he knew he was going to die. Um, he knew when he would die, and he even knew how he would die. But what I often find myself trying to wrap my mind around and just contemplating in myself is the why. Why would Jesus willingly lay down his life? Why would he willingly go to the cross? Why would he willingly put himself through that incredible suffering and ultimate shame? The answer that, that I always come back to, which is also the purpose, the point of this point, is that the reason he, he went to, through all that was because he loves us so greatly and he knew there was no other way to save us. This is the only way. This is the only way for our salvation. He knew that he had to be the sacrifice, that he had to go through this for our sakes, for our benefit. That's the purpose of his death, is to reconcile us back to the Father. And I love the way that Colossians um, chapter 2 puts it. Again, Paul writes here. Um, he just lays this out. And I love the, the way that he describes it. He says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, <clears throat> he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He just lays it out. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why he was brought to the cross. Because without his sacrifice, we would still um, be dead in our sins. We would still have our trespasses, our wrongs unforgiven. Uh, we would still have that handwriting of requirements against us. Um, and we would still be, be hopeless. But that's why he did it. That's why he went through, to do all of the things that we read here, wiping out those, 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 those handwriting and requirements and, and taking out those trespasses and forgiving us and making us alive together with him. This is the work that he's accomplishing by ultimately going to his death. This is the incredible action of mercy that God displayed for each of us. See, we messed up. We messed up. We sinned against God, disobeyed him. And because our sin has made us imperfect, we were cut off 
from a perfect God. But he looked down to humanity in love and wanted to bring us back to him. How? Well, there's only one way, to send himself in the form of Jesus, to live a perfect life and to become the ultimate sacrifice in our place, on our behalf. This is as personal as it gets. He died the death that we deserved, and he took our place. And in doing so, he was preparing this amazing gift of salvation for us. This, this gift that, that, that is offered to us. What have we done to deserve a gift like that? A gift of life, second chance of, of, of salvation. We've done nothing to deserve that. Nothing. There's nothing we can ever do in our life to make ourselves worthy of earning a gift like that. But it's a good thing. It's, it's free. It's, it's freely given. We can't, we can't work for it. That's why God did the work for us. So all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus and turn from our sins. That's how that gift of salvation is received, is accepted in acknowledging the sacrifice that Jesus made, putting our faith in him and following after him, which means to turn from our, our, our sins. And it's amazing. We, we, we see that, that Jesus was accomplishing two things by, by putting... Um, by going to the cross, by, by, by dying on the cross for us. And Colossians brings them both up, as well as this passage. I'm going to read the Colossians passage too. Just going off of what we already read, verse 15 also says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them in it. So we see that in the first two verses of this Colossians, we see that that's for us. He did that to save us. And then the, the verse 15, he did that to have victory over principalities and power. That is Satan, the prince of this, the, this earth, and, and, and evil itself, victory. He's conquering the grave. He's conquering death because he rose again on the third day, and he's triumphing over it. And going back to our, our passage, we see the same thing here. We see the two results of Jesus' death is that evil will be evicted in verse 31 when he says, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And we also see the second result is that people will be drawn in. In verse 32, he said he will draw all peoples to himself. And we see that that's the result. Once evil is evicted, which he has evicted it, he's, he's made the way, he's, he's had victory over it, he's conquered it. Now we are drawn in to, to have life in him. Amen. That's the purpose of his death. And that's why he ultimately went to the cross is for us. It's so that we can have communion and fellowship with him and have a relationship with him once again. Because sin was cutting us off, but he dealt with that for us and made it open so that we can go to him. Amazing. So that's the, the purpose of his life. And we just looked at the purpose of his death. Now let's look at the last part. Our purpose as his followers. Um, would you look at verse uh, 35 with me? It says, Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk 
while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So here we get to see our purpose as his followers. And this is meant to be the application part, since it's, it's about us, you know. Like, um, well, that's what I'm making it about. And that purpose is to live out the gospel in order that it may spread to people that need to hear it. That's really, in one sentence, our purpose as his followers. And that's why he brings up this, this picture of light. He uses this picture of light to describe himself. And in another part of scripture, we as, as, as believers, as people who follow Jesus, we're also called light bearers, which I'm going to also translate that to, to gospel bearers because that's also what this picture of light represents. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. It's this, this, this message of hope that saves lives, that, that has saved all of our lives, that has changed our lives, who, who profess faith in Jesus. And that's the same message in the light that we carry as believers that we want to spread into the world. And that's, the, that's really the purpose. That's our purpose as his followers. And a cool thing that we see that he mentions here is just like he, um, going back to our, our first section, just as he wanted to turn their seeing into following, we see a similar thing here in verse 36 when it says, while you have become, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. We see that just as he wants to turn seeing into following, we see him wanting to turn believing into becoming. See, just believing in Jesus is one thing, but becoming into what he wants you to become in following after him, these, these sons of light, these children of light. That's another thing, and that's a better thing. Because that means you're walking in the obedience, and you're walking in the calling that he's given to us. So Jesus warned his followers that his time has come, and he will be delivered up soon. So he gives this exhortation to start following him, while he is still with them by using this image of light. He's saying, don't put it off. Don't put it off to start following me. Start following me now. You don't want to waste time with this. I feel like oftentimes, sometimes we waste time and we procrastinate. Procrastination is a common issue, but we can't put off Jesus. We can't put off the convictions that he's put on our lives, on our hearts to, to follow him and to be obedient to what he's, um, he's, he's leading and directing us to do. You see, walking in light brings clarity, it brings direction, and it brings vision. And it's the same thing when we choose to go through life in the light of Christ. We start seeing things for how they really are. And you might be asking, well, how, how can I better do that? How can I better um, um, place myself in this light, so to speak, you know? Um, well, an interesting verse that always that naturally just kept coming to my mind when I was looking through this is Psalm 119. Uh, verses 105, which it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, when we saturate ourselves in the word of God, we're aligning ourselves with the truths of God. And we're, we're, we're allowing our lives to be molded and formed and shaped in living to how God wants us to live, right? 
And with that comes this direction, this natural sense of direction. We know where we need to go. We know where we need to be. We know what we need to do, um, all for the glory of God. And it comes in being in the Word, simply, um, in knowing Jesus, in, in, in going to Jesus and just being with Him and allowing Him to grow us and shape our lives and mature us as these children of the light. So that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus tells us in verse 36, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And I think of that, that the picture of, of the relationship between our sun and the moon, you know, how um, the sun is the source of light, right? And, and in order to light up our nights, we, the, the sunlight reflexes, reflexes, reflects off the moon and hits the dark side of the earth, the side that's facing away to the sun. And that's how we get lit up at the night. Yeah, that's how the night sky gets lit up. And it's the same with us. That's just a picture to give about um, our relationship with Jesus as these children of light. See, we don't produce light ourselves. We're not the source of light. Instead, we're the reflection of the true source of light. That's God. See, I'm saying God's the sun. Not literally, just in this picture. But, you know, and then if we're the moon, we got to light, we got to reflect the light of God, the truth um, that comes through his word, that comes in the, that that is the gospel. And in doing that, we want to light up the darkness around us in this world. There's still darkness in this world, right? You don't have to go far to come across evil or, or, or wickedness or or suffering, or pain. See, we still live in a fallen world, which means that we gotta, we got to take this role seriously at times and, and understand our role as these light bearers. And it's not just simple enough to, to tell people the gospel. That's, that's true. But we also need to live out the gospel in our lives. You know, and, and we can only do that by first allowing the gospel to really change our lives and to lead us in our lives. And... I got this, I found this quote by a guy named Reggie Campbell, who's an author, a Christian author and a mentor. And he said, many people have heard the gospel, but not many people have seen the gospel. And it's like that at the beginning when I started, I started this message with a bit of hypocrisy, but it was for a joke, so it's okay. It's not real. Um, When, yeah, when I said, you shouldn't skip church, but I skipped church last week. You remember, you were there. Um, But... But that's like exactly what I'm getting at with this quote, is that if we tell people the gospel, but we're not living out the gospel in our own lives, and we're not allowing it to shape and change and grow us, what's the point? You know? We should, we should I think the biggest witness we have is our lives. And then based off of how we live our lives for Christ, then we can share the good news of Christ. Because that's when, when, they see, when they see how we live, and they, they start to notice the, the effect that Jesus had on their lives, then that interest starts to grow about who is this Jesus guy. And that's when you get to share, he died for you because he loves you, and he wants to know you. And that's the gospel. So, so yeah, going back to just another verse that, that describes our role as these light bearers. Matthew five sixteen. this is like, I think, one of the first verses I ever memorized as a child. 
So I love it. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we got to do, amen? We need to let our light shine to the people around us, to the people that are still living in darkness, that don't know Jesus, that they may notice and one day come to know him as their Savior. So, really, it's, it's on us. It's on us as, as, as followers of him. It's on us to, to make the decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue God in my own life. I'm going to do what it takes to take the steps in pursuing God. And guys, pursuing God is the greatest thing that we can ever do in our lives. It should be our top priority in growing our, our, ourselves, our faith, our, 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 our relationship with Him. When we choose to partake in this pursuit, we start to grow and mature into these children of light that we keep talking about um, so we can better achieve the original purpose for why we were created. And that's to bring glory to God our Father and Christ our Savior. And when we know him more personally and intimately, then we can be used by him more greatly. So I'm going to call the worship team up and what we, what we do uh, at Riverside at the end of the message. We, we just give an opportunity to respond. So if by chance I said something, something right from this um, message that, that you got something out of or whatever, I just want to encourage you, take this time just to meditate on these things and, and go before the Lord with whatever is on your mind, um, whatever it may be. Maybe, maybe you're, you're in a bit of a slump. Maybe you, um, you're in a bit of a, a stagnant season of your faith where you're just not growing. You're, dis, you're discouraged about something. Maybe you're struggling. Uh, you're in the middle of a, of, a, of a battle or something in your life. Whatever it may be, I encourage you to take this opportunity and this time to just go before the Lord and just bring it to Him. Just as we, just as we looked at today with the, the Greeks' statement, the, their declaration that, that, that we wish to see Jesus, we know that Jesus is available. And that's still true for us today and right now. He's available for each of us. At any moment, whenever we need. We just need to take that step in going to Him and letting our requests be made known to Him and allowing Him to be involved and take root and, 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 and lead us in our lives because He wants to help. We're going to have people available for prayer in the back. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, if you need to be prayed for, over, prayed with uh, go to the back and, and just receive prayer and we're just gonna sing one more song and yeah take this time for yourselves so Heavenly Father we thank you so much for your word we thank you for who you are and what you've done for each of us we thank you for sending your son Jesus we thank you for just the purposes that you have in each of our lives, God, and that you desire to use us for your glory, God. I pray for 
everyone in this room, everyone here, that you would continue to grow them, lead them, um, comfort them, God. Speak to them. I pray for whatever they're going through, that you would just be with them and you would be present and they would realize that, that you're there, that you're available for whatever they need, whatever we need, God. Yeah, God, so we thank you for your love for us and we pray just to, um, just to grow in you more, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.